Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey. This is Evan. I'm Carissa. And we're the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than Freddy Krueger at a somnambulist convention. Nice. Thanks. Very nice. Thanks. Uh, And in case you can't tell, that horrific uh, comparison was made because it is the month of Halloween, October. (laughs) Both mine and Carissa's and everyone I know's favorite holiday month, at least. Yeah. Um, And if it's not, then I shouldn't know you. But so we've been taking a tact lately of trying to go the against the non-traditional grain of ooh scary things in horror movies and taking the more lucky 10,000 let's learn you something approach. Yeah. So uh, Carissa decided that today's episode should be about origins of Halloween. Now, a lot of us know the basics, but there's a lot more to it than a lot of us have heard. And so we're each sort of taking a different aspect of it and talking about that. So I will lead the mic over to Carissa and let her begin this spooky lecture. Well, I don't know how spooky it's going to be. It's all very, like, history and knowing stuff and things. Scary. Yes, scary learning. But the first thing, I guess, of course, to talk about the origin of Halloween, like why we Mm. have Halloween. And not the origin of Michael Myers' Halloween, just the origin of Halloween. Right, exactly. At this point, pretty much everybody is in agreement that it's dated back to like several thousand years ago and slightly co-opted over time from the Celtic Celtic holiday of Samhain, which uh, was technically the first of November. And we have sort of co-opted that word and turned it into Samhain for oh, those of you who are uh, uninitiated. Yes, uh, it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but yes. it is not pronounced Samhain, and that makes my spine crawl when people. I mean, see to be that. fair, to be fair, I can understand why someone would look at the word and think that. You know, Danzig before he had the band Danzig had a band that everyone called Samhain that it was spelled yeah. that way because they had no context for the word. Right. No, very few people. People speak Gaelic. Yes. So it's understandable that, you know, your average everyday American would think that because it's spelled somehow, there are no accents or right. weird markings in the letters. It's just, you know, it's the letters that we're familiar with in a way that make a word that we could sound out, except that's right. not at all how it's pronounced and it irritates me every time I hear it. Yes. I'm sure that. Well, fuck the Celts then. I'm sure it irritates people who actually speak Gaelic much more than it irritates me. Probably. <laughs> Okay, so Samhain was a, a Gaelic or Celtic holiday for thousands of years, mm-hmm. or thousands of years ago, right. I suppose I should say. I don't know how long it had been going on. It had been going on for like a week. Right. And it's technically, it was the dusk of the 31st of October, or the last day of October to the to dusk of the 1st of November. So the day was technically November 1st. Right. But the night before was where... Of the celebration started. So we've kind of co-opted that. As we do. As As most holidays do. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Most holidays are just, you know, somebody celebrated some holiday here and then 
immigration took that holiday or its celebration mm -hmm. somewhere else and then the people around that immigration kind of evolved around that and they got their own little holiday in fact and a lot of times is too, it's like people that celebrated that holiday in a really shitty way looked at them and went oh they got like presents and stuff yeah let's do that a lot of it is just like not trying to co-opt or take over or subdue a holiday celebration it's really just it kind of grows around oh hey that seems pretty cool right Let's take that halloween is one of the best examples of that um, because it started almost solely as a Celtic and Gaelic mm -hmm. celebration and then moved a little bit into more of the British Isles, although the celebration even around Britain is different. But now, do you have anything about what the celebration was initially really about? Because now we look at it as, you know, even people that know the basics are like, you know, you give spirits presents or some sort of 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 tribute in order so that they won't uh, wreak havoc on you kind of that or that take on it is kind of true right but it's really less about trying to because i guess we all kind of think and at least i was taught when i was young that we wear halloween costumes because historically people you know the, in the olden times People would put masks on to confuse evil spirits yes, so that they wouldn't know that it was you and they wouldn't be able to get you. And, and nowadays that's where the it's mask... you confuse evil spirits by doing sexy things. Right. By dressing as slutty as possible. Right. Because that'll confuse My them. daughter wants to go as an Amish person this year. I don't know exactly how that's disguising her or warding off evil spirits, but... Not Santa Claus? It could work. She changed her mind about that. She okay. got a really nice beard and was like, I think I want to be Amish. Alrighty. An Amish dude then. Oh, yeah. Just okay. for the excuse to wear the beard. Alrighty. Well, that works. Uh, so, but like the Halloween costume is, of course, kind of part and parcel with how we see Halloween, why it's different than just like, hey, we're running around and getting stuff because right. that's kind of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Look, we take every holiday and make it. <laughs> I don't care what we're really celebrating. The core of it now is let's get some shit. Part of the, at least the development of the celebration of Samhain was that from, I don't know, several hundred years ago, throughout Britain anyway, people would go house to house in costume, kind of like we do now for Halloween, mm -hmm. uh, as part of the the festival, the ceremonies or whatever. And they would do that and it was usually the poor would dress up and go house to house and recite, like sing songs or recite poetry and get food. Um, or they would dress up in disguises and go do that. They would do something at a house and receive from those houses what's called soul cakes. The soul cakes were baked for um, tribute basically to christened souls to celebrate yes. on All Souls Day, which was the day after All Hallows' Eve. Right. All Souls Day was a very Catholic thing. And as Protestantism took over, the more specifically Catholic celebrations were looked down upon and or absolutely outright banned. Right. So they couldn't openly celebrate the All Souls Day the way they had celebrated it as Catholics. So in order to celebrate that, they would give these tributes, these soul cakes, to the poor who came to their house on All Hallows' Eve so that the poor could then go take that to commemorate their, their saints. Interesting. And all the souls that had gone before. Did it say anything about what exactly the soul cake were? I mean, was it was it just bread? I honestly I don't know. Like they would give no, I haven't seen anything about how one would bake a soul cake. <laughs> I, I'm I gonna think, try and look that up while you're talking about the other stuff. I think that that may be where we get like the um the, the fruit cake. 
Yeah. Like yeah. there's just kind of crap in a hardish, nasty cake sort of thing. I think that maybe right. where that came from, that it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was a densely packed, stuff filled pastry of a sort. <laughs> but it was meant to be given as tribute. So let's see what else. So that was that's kind of where we at least modernly get the costumes from is that the guising that yes. would go on in order for the soul cakes to be given so that they could be turned over for tribute. Prior to that, like in olden, olden, oldener times for actual Samhain, they would like the druids would dress up in animal skins and stuff and dance around bonfires. Like those are the things that we know. And fuck a lot. Probably. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, of course, the, the druids or the Celts thought that the that night, that All Hallows Eve, that the 31st, however they are calling it now, calling it then mm-hmm. Samhain, was the night where the border between the spirit world and the corporeal world was easiest to bridge. So there's lots of stories and myths about spirits coming and fairies being able to be seen and interacted with. And so that that's a part of it in that there was a little bit of a celebration of the spirit world, that which we mm-hmm. don't normally see or interact with. And something of a, there are, you know, spirits that we don't really want to interact with. And now they're here. Yeah. And they're prone to mischief. And so we don't want them to come mess with us. So we're going to do stuff to either throw them off who we are or treat them very respectfully so that they have no inclination to do bad things to us. Right. And so Gaelic mythology is wrapped around, or at least in this part, is wrapped around the the ace-she. Okay. The fairies, basically, as we would say, consider them now. Okay. And that's a big part of it, because they had a a much easier time bridging the gap between the spirit world and our world on Samhain. Right. And the, like, we have taken a lot of Samhain's celebrations and adapted them to modern times over the years, so we now have Halloween, but Mm -hmm. a lot of cultures have a some belief in the around the autumnal equinox mm-hmm. that the spirit world is more prevalent that death becomes a thing that we take more into account whereas in the spring we are talking about life and rebirth right and you know we we get things like easter because like rebirth is a part of that and mm-hmm. bunnies because birth is a part of bunnies <laughs> which from a sheer you know natural standpoint yeah. and looking at a culture where you know, they just sort of based everything they knew on the world around them. It makes perfect sense, and which is why maybe so many other countries, too, approximately around the same time celebrate something reasonably similar. Yeah. Obviously, you know, sort of globalization helped with that. But you're watching everything die, yes. basically. And, of course, way, way back before industrialization was a thing, yeah. when we were solely agrarian or, um, like, cattle herders or sheep herders or whatever, the turning of the seasons was... It was rough. It, it was it. I mean, that was how you marked time. <laughs> if you did not do a good job of sealing your crop during the, the spring and summer seasons, you were worried. And if you were too late driving your herd to market and back, yeah. uh, you lost your herd because the slopes got impassable or the weather was too cold. I mean, it's a huge deal. And the celebrations around those field times have been around forever in virtually every culture. North and yeah. south of the equator will be different times of the year because, of course, Obviously, the seasons yeah. are reversed. But the, most cultures have those. Most cultures who were agrarian at any point, and virtually all of them were, they have those celebrations of some sort around the seasons. This just happened right. to be one that timing helped become hugely popular, at least in America, because, of course, 
uh, Gaelic culture became Irish culture, as Ireland became a thing, as in a nation with a political structure and like a people. Right. Well, the Irish started moving to America in droves and became a kind of our itinerant workers mm-hmm. around 18-1900s. And they, there were a lot of them. We got a lot of Irish people immigrating. And yeah. they brought... Begrudgingly to a lot of the people that were yes, already in the States. absolutely. Very. And it was really hard for them. And they brought with them their All Hallows Eve and Samhain celebrations, which are fun. They're fun celebrations. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're very spirited. And they look interesting if you don't have anything to base them on. Right. So people around the Irish immigrants who had come to work here, who spent All Hallows' Eve doing really interesting stuff, dancing and Mm -hmm. drinking and lighting bonfires and putting on costumes and giving out stuff to people. Like, that's just a thing that they did. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. Let's see what that's all about. And then people just started to, like you do, just taking stuff out of it. Like, hey, we would like to do that as well. I want to dress up like a whatever horse and dance around a bonfire, (laughs) you know, whatever they would do. And so they started doing those little celebrations and the costuming and the that just grew up around that influx of culture from the immigrants from Ireland. And then we just have it now. Like, we mm-hmm. just do it. Well, you're right. It is very fun. And I mean, we have obviously taken it in such a different direction, arguably made it more fun. I think perhaps we have. I mean, it's but... obviously much more secular. Oh, yeah. There's very little about a Halloween celebration in the States and even much anymore in the UK, except for those people who specifically go to do like a Samhain celebration. Right. But like for Halloween, Halloween is entirely secular for the most part everywhere it's celebrated. Well, and that's the thing. It really surprises you until you actually read about it a little bit, how much about it we don't know. I had honestly never heard the term soul cake until you brought it up. Okay. Would you like to know what it's made of? Yes. Uh, The history of giving soul cakes was celebrated in Britain or Ireland during the Middle Ages. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. So, I mean, a little grain of salt, but... Lately, it's tended to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, let's see. Small round cake, traditionally made for All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day to commemorate the dead in the Christian tradition. The cake, often simply referred to as souls, are given out to solars, which I think is a very cool way of telling. From now on, I'm going to teach my daughter, you're not a trick-or-treater. You're a solar. You're a solar. <laughs> um, the cakes were usually filled with allspice, nutmeg, cinnamon, ginger, or other sweet spices, raisins, or currants. And before baking, were topped with the mark of a cross to signify that these were alms. Okay. And this is the other good part. They are traditionally set out with glasses of wine on All Hallows' Eve uh, for the dead. There's a song. Okay. And I don't want to sit here and sing a whole freaking song, but um, let me see if I can get the background. Children would go souling or ritually begging for cakes door to door in 1891. Reverend uh, M.P. Holm of Hall, Cheshire, collected the song traditionally sung during souling from a little girl at the local school. Okay, so I guess Solars came up with this song, and it just kind of took off from there. A soul, a soul, a soul cake. Please, good missus, a soul cake. An apple, a pear, a plum, or a cherry. Any good thing to make us all merry. One for Peter, two for Paul, three for him who made us all. God bless the master of this house, the mistress also, and all the little children that round your table grow. Likewise, young men and maidens, your cattle and your store, with all that dwells within your gates, we wish you ten times more. Down into the cellar and see what you can find. If the barrels are not empty, we hope you will prove kind. We hope you will prove kind. 
with your apples and strong beer, and we'll come no more a-souling till this time next year. The lane's very dirty. My shoes are very thin. I've got a little pocket to put a penny in. If you haven't got a penny, a half penny will do. If you haven't got a half penny, it's God bless you. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's a soul cake. Maybe one of us should try making one this year. So what I hear then is some raisins and like every yeah. spice that would go on a YouTube challenge. Yeah. And like throw them in a, a cake. But you got to put a cross on them. <laughs> well, sure. So I'm just going to go out and buy like a coffee cake and put a cross on it. Okay. And hit some of them. But that's very interesting. So that was generally it. That it wasn't candy or whatever. It was specifically. And honestly... This is actually something I didn't know, but since like the 1950s or 60s, UNICEF, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with UNICEF, as an organization, they have sponsored trick-or-treating for charity. Oh, cool. So you can go trick-or-treating and then donate like, and say specifically, I don't want candy for me. What I would like is some donation for UNICEF. Right. And give that to UNICEF. So, I mean, in much the same kind of spirit of several hundred years ago, Britain. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. That's actually something apparently that goes on to this day in the United States. So Excellent. That's very, very cool. Um, obviously, there are other countries that celebrate and celebrate in some very interesting ways. Um, I won't go through all of them, but if you're – oh, can you give uh, anybody a reference point for the website you're pulling this off of just in case they want to read some things um, for themselves? I, I think I looked at like 28 different okay. websites to get all of this information to make sure that I was fact-checking correctly. Uh Honestly, Wiki is probably the best place to start. Yeah. Really, if you want to kind well, of... Well, like they have a great it. section for reference points, too. Yeah, that's that's basically things. it. Like, you can you can just Google, like, Halloween traditions or Samhain or whatever and read what you find. And a lot of it is... Um, a lot of the articles that I read were full of, like, urban legend sort of yeah. facts that weren't actually fact facts. Yeah. And so that's why I read so many is... That there were some that were like, oh, we do this to scare off evil spirits, even though there's no reference to that ever being true ever. Right. That's just something that we all know that that's what happened. And so we're just going to put it in this article or that's a stupid right. reason to write something in an article. So just checking. Uh, but Wiki is a really good place to start for pretty much anything ever. But also just Google. Just Google and read. Yeah. Um, well, I've found some couple of interesting things. Uh, most of mine, well, all of mine, about other countries and the way they celebrate are coming from pumpkinpatchesandmore.org. Halloween traditions and celebrations around the world. Obviously, there's a lot here, so I'm not going to freaking go through every detail. Ireland. I thought this was interesting. A traditional food eaten on Halloween is barnbrack, which if there's never been an Irish word that sounds more Irish, I don't know it. <laughs> ah, we're going out to give him some barnbrack. Yeah. A kind of fruitcake, as you mentioned earlier, actually, yep. it can be bought in stores or baked at home. A muslin-wrapped treat is baked inside the cake that it is said can foretell the eater's future. If a ring is found, it means that the person will soon be wed. A piece of straw means that a prosperous year is on its way. Children are also known to play tricks on their neighbors, such as knock-a-dolly, a prank in which children knock on the doors of their neighbors but run away before the door is opened. Don't know where the a-dolly comes from. It should just be knock-and-run-away. <laughs> maybe um, that's what a-dolly means. Maybe. Maybe. But that also kind of reminds me of you know stuff like the king cake in New Orleans. Where, you know, you've got the big cake yep. and there's a plastic baby in it at some point. Yep. Um, and whoever gets that is supposed to have good luck or something like that. 
Um, but I thought that was interesting. Some of it is kind of creepy. Okay. Um, Czechoslovakia chairs are placed by the fireside on Halloween night. There is one chair for each living family member and one for each family member's spirit. Yes. Or I guess the rest of the year they're just uncomfortably standing behind you or next to you. Or <laughs> Well, no, it's because on Halloween the veil between right. the worlds is thinner. <laughs> it's the only time they can join you. Yes. But what would you do if you were just chilling on Halloween night, turned around, and there was your spirit sitting in a chair beside you? That's how, I mean, I don't know. It depends on who it was. Yeah. Um, it was, that's actually a thing that happened happens in, or happened. I don't know how common these are still, but at least in historical celebrations, that was a thing that happened in many different cultures, mm-hmm. most notably around Britain, is that they would set chairs at table for the spirits who were out walking that night. Right. They would just say, like, hey, Grandpa, if you're around, here's your place at the table. Yeah. And they would just be there, available to come join them. And just again, don't stop talking about your bum knee again. We've been yeah. free of that for like the last four years. Right. And part of that, I'm sure, was some aspect of absolute respect. Like these are our ancestors. Oh, sure. They have come before us. And some of it was also we're setting a table to be respectful and polite. So don't come haunt. Like don't do terrible things to us. Yeah. There's all those family uh, the family shit that just comes up with any family is still present even after they're dead. Right. Look, we set you a place. Just don't be a douche. Yeah. Um, China, I thought, was really interesting. In China, the Halloween festival is known, and I'm going to try and do this and not sound offensive. Uh, in China, the Halloween festival is known as Ting Chai. That's T-E-N-G-C-H-I-E-H. Food and water are placed in front of photographs of family members who have departed. While bonfires and lanterns are lit in order to light the paths of the spirits as they travel the earth on Halloween night. Worshippers in Buddhist temples fashion boats of the law from paper, some of which are very large, where they, uh, which are then burned in the evening hours. The purpose of this custom is twofold, as a resemblance of the dead and in order to free the spirits of the pretas, that's P-R-E-T-A-S, in order that they might ascend to heaven. Pretas are the spirits of those who died as a result of an accident or drowning and whose bodies were consequently never buried. The presence of pretas among the living is thought by the Chinese to be dangerous under the guidance of Buddhist temple scientists formed society, excuse me, scientists. We're going to get around this temple and make us a scientist or formed to carry out ceremonies for the pretas, which include the lighting of lanterns. Monks are invited to recite sacred verses and offerings of fruit are presented. Okay. I found that very interesting. And there's lots of others, obviously, and they're all interesting in their own way. And it also shows that, you know, culture is so important to this sort of thing. Um, yeah. And that we have all – we are used in this country to all pretty much celebrating one way. Uh, unfortunately, in the past few years, you've gotten a few more where, you know, the biggest one that gets on my nerves is like the trunk or treats at the churches and stuff where they basically tell you if you do celebrate Halloween, you're going to burn in hellfire but still have fun. Yeah. But yeah, this this stuff is all very interesting, and it hasn't always been candy either. Even in our modern society, there was a time where kids were given toys. Yeah. Kids were given uh, – <laughs> One little interesting thing that Kellogg at one point was trying to push their product for good uh, trick-or-treating bounty. Okay. And it was kind of like, like what, you just toss in a box of cereal into some kid's bucket or something like that? But obviously, that wasn't always cost-effective, and nowadays especially, unfortunately, it wasn't always safe. Because we all remember the old person in the neighborhood that would always give us their sort of homemade whatever. Yeah, and when we were kids, way back in ye olden times, that was a perfectly safe thing to do. Like if they wanted to bake cakes for you or whatever, you would just take them. It was no big deal. And it is still technically perfectly safe to do that. A vast majority of the things you're going to get from people in your neighborhood are going to be safe. It's the what if factor, especially talking as a parent. 
that now we need those vacuum sealed, you know, store bought things. Yep. And we have to and we do. And I do this every year with my daughter. Check sit it down and investigate every single one of them. If there's even anything that's slightly loose or free, it goes in the trash or later gets eaten by me. Yep. And we just make sure, unfortunately, that everything is safe. It sucks that that's the way it is, but it is. Well, I mean, my parents did that, too. They would dump my whole candy bag out at the end of the night. Mm hmm. Just on the bed, just spread it out and just make sure there was nothing. But it also kind of becomes a game where you can actually see your bounty just yes. laid before you. Yes. Like, look, let's look at all that you have wrought for your evening's work. Yes. Uh, so I did actually look up several different um, types of Halloween traditions that aren't just awesome. the, the way it started and the costuming. Go for uh, it. Because there are a lot of things that people, we don't do as much anymore, but are still kind of part of our pop culture image of yeah the a Halloween the, celebration. The Halloween things in our generations have grown from the much less traditional, you know, vampire, ghost, witch, mummy, whatever, yeah. to... You know, a lot of things inspired by movies, a lot of things that I do like the costumes where there's a lot of creativity, something clever. And again, especially lately, the sexy costumes have become very popular. Yeah. And that has really gotten away from even in our since we were born, the kind of costumes people wearing have changed a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. I mean, we all remember those fucking masks with the little like rubber band in the back. Yeah. And the staple that would snap. They still make those. <laughs> No one buys them. Actually, we bought one last year. Uh, we set up the house last year. Really? With, uh, like, we had our front door. We have kind of this little hallway entryway mm -hmm. thing in our front door that's just, you know, a hallway wide and probably 15 feet long, maybe mm -hmm. 10 feet long. And so our front porch is narrow. It's just the size of the door, which is bordered on both sides by huge bushes. So it's kind of dark anyway. Ooh, nice. And... We uh, curtained in our front entryway with just dark black curtains. Nice. And put a fog machine in the entryway nice. behind the door. And you guys go all out. I like it. Oh, yeah. Usually. We're slacking this year, but yeah, usually. And so it was like pitch black when you um, open the door except for the fog. And we had a dry ice bucket outside. Nice. So it was just crawling all over the front. Where do you just buy dry ice? The grocery you store. You order it? Oh. Yeah, the grocery, store just the grocery store just has a freezer at the front that's just full of dry Like, I have never been to a grocery store that didn't have one. You just no, have I'm not talking about just packets of ice. We're talking about the dry ice. Yes, that you the dry ice, the, the huge blocks, the bricks yeah. that you have to break and drop in water. Yeah. Nice. There's just a big freezer. You, you just open the freezer, take a bag. Um, They're like five or ten pounds or something. Mm -hmm. And then you break them up, you pour hot water over them, and they just steam forever. Oh, those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking like the more like theater professional, like the stuff that if you hold for more than two seconds, you will die. Yeah, or that's what I'm like talking that. about. Nice. Uh, and so we had a huge like black pumpkin cauldron, not pumpkin, cauldron bucket. And we put the dry ice in the cauldron bucket and we poured a bunch of hot water over them and then we just let it fog. And so our whole front yard was just covered in fog. And our nice. street is not very well lit anyway, so it was just really creepy. Nice. And then we had little like lights in the bushes and a, a like a dead head hanging from inside the bushes, so you couldn't see a it. Grateful Dead were... fan just hanging from the bushes. Mm, Where do yes. you find one to kill every year? Uh, they're usually buying Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> oh. Uh, so we had like a head hanging in the bushes that you couldn't see until you're right up at the door, and our front door was all like inside was all black. And Kay bought this head to toe black roby outfit. Nice. And this creepy, it is one of the creepiest masks ever. I think I have a picture. I may post it with this episode. Oh, please do. Just this white, mostly round, kind of, 
like almost like a baby face roundish shape mm-hmm. face mask. Just white with like the kind of impression of a nose, but no actual nose holes, right. no actual nose, just a little kind of slight raise in the center. Yes. And these two eye slits with just this black, like charcoalish outline. Yeah. So it was just a white faceless face with black eyes in the yes. top. Oh. Very cool. And it was just this black robe and this white face it was super Amen. creepy alien spirit sort of weakness if, if Wes craven god rest his soul taught us anything it's that uh simple can be very effective you know that's you know it reminds me what you're saying reminds me a little bit of the scream costume which people forget the first time you see that guy in that mask at the beginning of scream was pretty fucking terrifying it is absolutely terrifying <laughs> and it was it has much the same effect um, but it is very different than that because that's yeah, very yeah. textured, contoured. Oh, very much face. Like this is not this is which a is face, a, which is even also... creepier in some way. I don't know what it is, but the more details you can take out of something, but still see the vagueness of what it's supposed to be. Yep, the scarier it can get. And it was it was very creepy. And so he he would wait till the doorbell rang and start up the fog machine, fog machine, and then put the mask on and go to the door and just throw the door open so the fog just billows <laughs> out and then just nice. parts to reveal him standing there and he was doing yes. this you know the little asian ghost thing where their heads kind of twitch really weird yeah they're looking at you he would do that oh then. nice and like his best times because the whole thing was curtained off so the rest of us were just in the living room we couldn't see it at all so it was just him and he never spoke he never said anything. He never made any noise ever. No, you can't. No, he just stood there. And then he would like inspect them cocking his head all weird and then mm-hmm. throw candy in their buckets or whatever. <laughs> and the best times were when we'd just be sitting in the living room listening and like some little girl would be like, scream and run away and like, not get her candy or whatever. Yeah, that's how you know it so works. Yeah. Oh, fuck the candy. Yeah. And those were the times that were the best because he just scared the shit out of some little kid. <laughs> Dude, look, you know me. It is so much fun. Just get last year, uh, I had I don't dress up every year. Last year, I decided to be a, as bloody and gory of a zombie as I could be, and I did the makeup myself, and it actually turned out pretty well. And one of the best, one of the most joyful things of last year was just silently shambling up behind someone in the neighborhood we were tricking, trick or treating in, getting as close to them as possible. Usually, it's best when they're talking to someone yeah. because. They're completely distracted, getting up as close as I could to them without them knowing I'm there and just. (laughs) And oh, my God, it's so much fun. And it almost always worked because they're not expecting it. They hear something that could be anything and then turn around and see an honest to God zombie behind them. It was wonderful. It was one of the best things ever. That's awesome. So anyway, other than the Halloween costumes and stuff, I was looking up. All the other stuff that we do, like we carve pumpkins. Yes. Why do we fucking carve pumpkins? Yeah, why? Like it seems like a very random thing to do. It does. But there's actually not only kind of a whatever mythical reason or whatever to do that, but there's a, an actual reason to do that. Because in ye olden times, before, you know, electric lights and such. Right. That's how they would carry lights with them. All right. They would take dried out or old pumpkins or it was typically like a, a squash of some sort or a turnip. Yeah, pumpkins don't turnip. really, uh, yeah, once uh, you carve them, they're not, ugh. But, I mean, pumpkins too, but definitely kind of any sort of gourd, really. Right. Big enough. They would carve them out so that there were holes so that they could see. It wouldn't be faces or whatever, it would just be as a lantern. Right. They would just make an actual lantern out of a gourd and then carry them with them. So that's, it's a 
that's a jack-o'-lantern. Very interesting. And so that's the actual reason. Did you find but, out where Jacko came from? Yes, it's actually a, a proper name. Oh. So, yes. There, this is where like the kind of mythical part oh, of it comes life. in. Life, there's Jack with his fucking lantern again. Uh, part of it is that the kind of mythical story making about it mm -hmm. is that there was a man named Jack, and I believe that they called him Stingy Jack. <laughs> he made a deal with the devil not to take his soul to hell, and but he was like a thief. He was a bad dude. So when he died, uh, Saint Peter wouldn't let him into heaven. But Ooh. Satan also wouldn't take him to hell because he'd made a deal. So <laughs> That's Satan. If anything, he will honor his deals. Honor his word. That's right. So he couldn't get into heaven. They wouldn't take him to hell. So he was condemned forever to walk the earth. And he didn't. He was just there alone. And so he was like, well, Satan, you have to give me something because you won't let me in. And so Satan apparently threw him one of the embers of hell, which never goes oh, out. That's so cool. And the way that he was able to carry that was he put it in a gourd, which people put lights in, like they would put candles in so that they could actually see. That was a thing. Oh, that is such so a cool origin story. So he took the ember from hell, story. put it in a gourd, and carried it on a pole, and used it to light his way as he walked the earth. Forever. Very cool. That might be my favorite thing I've heard so far. <laughs> Not that the rest of it isn't interesting. No, but I but love those stories. Those stories yes. are really, really interesting. And so there are a lot of like little poems and stuff about him and... Let's see. So, yeah, it was Stingy Jack, and he tricked Satan. <laughs> this kind of sound like a pirate name, though. Yeah, doesn't he? Don't go over to that shop. He'll haggle you down, Riddick. He's Stingy Jack. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's, here's how it happened, because names, I, I had forgotten, so I looked it up. Here's how it happened. In the, in the story of Stingy Jack, yeah. Jack traps Satan somehow. Oh, right. Well, there you go. He constructs a trap out of a cross somehow to trick Satan. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I do remember reading about this and it was like a cross, but you had to roll this marble down first and then like a guy would kick a thing and then something would fall and then that's the mouse. cross with a cage on it would that's, fall. That's mousetrap. That's slightly different than Satan trap. Oh, although well, now I'm going to make some, there might be some avoid mousetrap <laughs> this, this Halloween. It will send you to hell unless you're stingy Jack and then it will get you out of hell. Yeah, they probably play it at the trunk or treats now. It's like, oh, you trapped Satan. Good for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Apparently, over time, the tradition of a jack-o'-lantern would, it became a way to protect your home from the undead. So the superstitious right. That's what I always them heard. to ward away vampires. Oh, uh, specifically vampires. Specifically. Apparently, this is, this is like a story that there's very little verification on, but apparently if you could um, get the light from the jack-o'-lantern to hit a vampire, it would reveal the vampire so that All they right. couldn't like stay or whatever. Well, I and guess. again, it just goes back to that cultural thing of, you know, especially so many things come from their honest to God belief in these things. I mean, yeah. that's where the whole, you know, where the whole stake, stake in the heart thing comes from with vampires. Why? And I thought this was really interesting. It's not Halloween related, but it also does show how seriously people took the stuff at one point. Obviously, if you're not going through the process we go through now when someone dies, to preserve the body and everything, there are going to be some things happening yeah. to a body. It's going to bloat. It's going to have all sorts of things uh, happen to it. So when they were 
in that era of superstition and if someone had recently died and then someone, say, livestock went missing or was attacked by something, they said, hmm, well, Bob down the road just died last week. Let's go dig him up and check him out. And the body would be bloated and blood would be on the lips of the corpse because all the fluids are leaking. Because, you know, decomposition. Because decomposition happens. And they thought, fuck, he's been getting out of here at night and eating our livestock. Drive a stake through his chest to keep him in the ground. So they were actually posting him into the coffin or yes, ground? they were posting him into the ground. Interesting. getting back up. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, but Although, it also shows that they, they weren't fucking around. No. They really believed this. Yeah, no. Uh, okay, so let's see. We got pumpkins. Um, apparently, also, and this I got from infoplease.com. Okay. And it's the only place I found it, so it may or may not be true, but that's the same for everything, basically, that we don't actually know, but kind sure. of assume, is that the na- the actual name Jack-O-Lantern was, in the 1600s, was how one referred to a night watchman. Oh. He was a jack, like a right. police officer um, with a lantern. He was a right. jack-lantern. So makes sense. It does. It makes perfect sense, which is, I mean, I get that. But I like the Jack story better. Yeah, me too. I really do like that. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I do too. It's pretty awesome. Uh, let's That's see. So trick-or-treating. Cool. Trick-or-treating, yes. of course, started as the the, soul, the practice of souling, mm-hmm. where they would go around, you know, get alms or food or whatever. Right. But the, the, tr- the trick part... <laughs> Not just the treating part, uh, was basically American in invention. Of course. In in the country, and although apparently with the, what what was it, Nakadali? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a wholly American thing, obviously, that was very Irish, but it would be uh, like a mischief thing. They would, like boys in the country would do, like make noisemakers and stuff, mm-hmm. just just to be noisy. Mm-hmm. And they would like throw corn at houses or whatever. I mean, they were just... just <laughs> You know, Which is way better and... than like Justin Bieber egging a place. Yeah. I mean, that as that practice of being mischievous kind of boys will be boys sort of behavior moved yes. into the city and away from the country, it became a little bit less harmless. Oh, yeah. And so then we get stuff like egging and throwing TP on people's trees. And... Yeah. And, you know, people like, I mean, those are still relatively harmless, but yeah. we're also talking about a lot of property damage. And if you've ever had your house TP'd, it is a nightmare to clean up. It's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. But that's very interesting, too. So we're learning so much. We might have both learned more in this episode than we've learned in many others. What else you got? Uh, apple bobbing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where's that you know, from? Bobbing for apples. Okay. So the bobbing for apples thing actually may have taken me the most time to research, which is yeah, weird. Yeah, it does seem very random. It to does, be doesn't it? Like, why Why would that ever I mean, are apples come even up? a fall fruit? Do they bloom in the fall or whatever? Well, I mean, yeah, technically apples, depending on the breed of apple, can grow all year round. Right. So like, why specifically? Yeah, it's weird. Okay, so <laughs> I've got to get all this in, in my head right. There is... A thing about bobbing for apples and in Scotland, I think it's called ducking okay, or apple ducking. And in Ireland, I think it's called snap apple. Yeah. According to Wiki in Ireland, it's called snap right. apple. You know, I have a large chunk of my genealogy is Irish and I, but I just have to laugh at some of these names. Just got to giggle a little bit. Some of the traditions about apples these are actually kind of some of the more not citable traditions. Okay. Like these are mostly just kind of fireside tales and yeah. passed down. So before we get into stuff. depth, just everybody out there, grain of salt. Yeah, absolutely. Don't fucking attack us when it's not exactly what you know. 
some people think that the tradition came from the co-opting of Celtic holidays and festivals okay. by the Romans when the Romans came to Britain. Okay. The Romans brought the apple tree with them as a representation of Pomona. Okay. Fine. When the apple is sliced in half, the seeds form a pentagram-like shape. Ooh. Which is not always true. <laughs> no, but... And it was thought by some of the Celts, apparently, that such... Or maybe some of the Romans, I'm not sure, that the manifestation of having this pentagram in the middle of this apple could be used to determine marriage. Because, I mean, fall is a time where agrarian societies will typically do a lot of their marriage lotterying right. or whatever. And so... Unluckiest lottery ever. Right. And so they would use that to kind of um, scry their future marriage potential or whatever. Hmm. Which is kind of, I didn't really like that explanation, honestly. I mean, anything that, that informs us a little bit more about where these things came from is interesting, but it doesn't sound all that... Convincing? It, it's more forgettable, I'll say that much, than anything else we've talked about so far. Now, there are a, a couple other things I found, because that explanation was really boring and I didn't like yeah. it at all, and for it, it wouldn't have survived. The pentagram thing was kind of interesting. Eh. But why would you want to then go after them? Especially with a lot of very superstitious religious people. Well, and especially the way that bobbing for apples works. Like, why wouldn't yeah. you just pick an apple and cut it? Like, that right. just doesn't make any sense. So, okay. Now, in Cornwall, the, there's a Cornish tradition of Allentide, which I knew about, kind of. But mm -hmm. Allentide's a Cornish festival that's celebrated on Halloween. And the Cornish festival is, like, Allentide is huge on apples. Like, apples are a, a major part of it, apparently. Right. And what happens in Allentide, and apparently the Allen apples that are grown or eaten in Cornwall are huge red apples Okay. that apparently fruit in the fall. Awesome. So this is already starting to make much more sense than the other ones. Right. So what would happen is that they take these huge red apples and they would give them, they would polish them. So they're like a polishable sort of glossy red. Mm -hmm. polish them and give them to family and friends for good luck because again it's a halloween thing you give things away that's that's a and again that everybody makes did. much more sense why you would want to bob for one right kind of <laughs> so they would give them away and the there was a game that came about it is that like girls who were of marriable or close to marriable age would place the apples under their pillows and they would dream of the person they would one day marry. The apple would, I don't know, record that wish or whatever. <laughs> they would, however suspicions work. Oh, I can't remember what I dreamed last night. Let me play it back on my apple. They would also oh play God. a game, which this is where our actual bobbing for apples, I think, probably comes from. They would play a game where they would, you know, nail two pieces of wood in a cross. Like, think of rulers. Mm -hmm. Two rulers in an X. And they would suspend apples from each of the four points mm -hmm. of the cross and with them suspended in air with candles on top of the pieces of wood hanging from the ceiling. Can you pick? Let me start. The yes, I absolutely can. So it's like a four pointed fan, basically yes. suspended from the ceiling. There's candles on top of the slats right. and apples suspended on each of the points below. The game right. was catch the apple in your mouth. Ah, and with the candles burning above you and it just suspended from the center, if you were too careless or inaccurate or slow, you would get hot wax stripped on you. True. Just as a penalty for not playing the game well enough. Like that was just a game. Just catch it in your mouth. Don't get I'm hot also wax sensing you. a very strong connection between this game and spin the bottle and some of the kink society. <laughs> I could 
kind of see that. And so that was a game that was commonly played on Allentide in Cornwall. Now, apples float, so instead of having it all the work done to suspend it from some wood on a string with some candles, where the challenge is a challenge of skill to catch the mm-hmm. apple without getting hot wax on you, this is a challenge of skill to pick an apple up out of a bucket of water without drowning. So that's it's just easier to dump them in a bucket of water than it is to suspend them from a ceiling. Yeah, on a you know, especially the uh, further society has gotten and our conveniences, the lazier we've gotten. I cannot imagine going to a party. I mean, like, all right, we're going to play. Put the apples on the fan thing and light a candle. Yeah. Try and catch it. You might get, you know, let's just put them in a bucket of yeah, water. Yeah, let's just dump them in a bucket, pour water in there, catch them out of the water. Like, yeah. I totally get that. I That makes so much And it's much still not easy, by the way, if you've ever tried it. <laughs> no, it's really hard, especially if you're talking about those types of really high gloss, mm-hmm. shiny apples. Because you can't catch, like for, I don't know, like a Fuji apple, which isn't shiny or glossy. It's right. not porous, obviously, but it's grippable very smooth. so you can kind of grab it with your lips a little and little, keep it yeah, in place yeah those big ones but those just, shiny like, red ones right off of them yep not a chance so that was bobbing for apples which i found really pretty interesting and i think that i would like to extend my thanks to the cornish for providing us that tradition because i think it's pretty also cool. providing us with those fabulous game hens of theirs indeed Let's see, what else haven't we talked about? I don't know. I mean, we've been talking about this for almost an hour, and already it might be one of my favorite episodes we've done. I love, I I really do get a kick out of learning where we got our stuff from. Absolutely. Like, why do we do the crazy things that we do? Yeah, and it's all like, I mean, to a certain extent, we're keeping the core of some of it and still having a good time with it. But it's always nice to know, okay, this was this is there for a reason. This is why. And that some people took this very seriously at one point. Yeah. Well, uh, unless you I don't really have anything else unless you have anything else um, that you want to talk about. I mean, I would have no problem with bringing it to a close there. Um, And maybe we can even bring some stuff back later if we learn some more. Yeah, absolutely. I would would like to say that apparently in the United States, Uh Anoka, Minnesota is thought to be home of the United States' oldest official Halloween celebration. It began in 1920, and the city started staging a parade and a bonfire. And that was our first... And kept that up ever since. Yep, that was our first official halloween celebration in the u.s was in 19 who knew minnesota was the home of horror right i mean apparently apparently, anoka historians this is from national geographic anoka historians say townsfolk wanted to curb halloween pranks that loosed cows on main street and upended outhouses (laughs) so they made it see (laughs) man i would be much better with the whole trick-or-treat thing if i just looked out my window on halloween saw a bunch of cows running around yep be like those darn kids. <laughs> I'd rather see cows running around than having to fucking climb up a tree to get toilet paper down. Yeah. Kids well, that's kids. fascinating. Why aren't cows more celebrated along with Halloween then? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be a cow this year. I'm going to be a free-roaming cow. When we okay. Ask you why? It's tradition. Tradition. Well, this has been extremely fascinating. If you enjoyed this episode, actually, and if there's something we missed, got wrong, inaccurate, or something you find interesting about Halloween that we have not touched on, please feel free to email us. Grissa, where can I do that? Lucky10,000 at gmail.com. That's Lucky10,000, all spelled out, at gmail.com. And our Twitter? At Lucky underscore 10K. Uh, we also have, we are on Stitcher, and obviously we're on iTunes as well. iTunes is the bigger one, but I'm such a fan of Stitcher that yeah. I really think it should over-encompass everything else, especially since it's free. Why pay for podcasts on iTunes when you can get the app for free? 
for Stitcher. And uh, don't forget, we're also on two new, uh, well, new to us, podcast networks, Tangent Bound Podcast and Musings of a Geek. But do us a favor. Check us out on Stitcher. Listen to us. Share us with your friends. Rate us and review us. Five-star reviews will be read on the air regardless of what you say. So that can always be fun. Oh, and... you could give us a five-star review and just write a whole bunch of Celtic words that we can't pronounce and make oh, us God, look up how amazing. to pronounce and them. And we have to read it out. <laughs> and I'll do it in me Irish bro. Oh, my God. We can embarrass ourselves and offend everyone in the UK. It would be great. So a weekday for me then. <laughs> Well, okay, maybe not everyone in the UK, just everyone that I know personally. Sure. Well, thank you for doing the legwork there, Carissa. Absolutely. I did some, but you definitely uh, covered all the bases. And uh, again, yeah, we're going to keep trying to do some some out of the box thinking for October. But if you have any ideas, let us know, please. Yeah, and if you have a like a specific celebration that you yeah. do. Uh, I want to know about that because I'm always looking for new stuff to do on Halloween. Oh, and one thing to connect this back to the geek verse, although in case you can't tell, we've really kind of strayed away from just geek stuff and we just want to be about learning. I did get to see some exciting news yesterday about the world of video games. Apparently, a Friday the 13th game is now in production. I saw that. Weird. Yeah. The cool thing about the game is going to be as going to be mainly multiplayer they're trying to come up with an interesting uh single person player mode but it's mainly multiplayer where you are one of several camp counselors or jason Voorhees himself interesting i want that game that could be very cool it could be so anyway look forward to that i'm sure we will and Absolutely. uh thank you very much carissa thank uh, you, until next time i hope you got lucky tonight good night nerds Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000, with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky, underscore, 10k. And, visit our podcast network site, at beardedpodsnetwork.com. <laughs>